Hello, and welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Chris. I'm Creston. And tonight, we get to have fun talking about where should we put our business logic? Um, ooh, it's a big topic, and there's there's lots of opinions there. Uh, but before we get into that, how was your week? Okay. <laughs> I had trouble when I was thinking about the show. I sat here going, what the heck happened? I normally I can latch onto something. Ooh, this is interesting to talk about. I have nothing interesting to talk about. <laughs> I mean, it was just consulting here, consulting there, working on some integrations with some uh, with a CRM to work with. Um, you know, Easter kind of. Some people were gone with Easter, so not a lot happened with that. So yeah, I that's kind of what I did, but I don't have anything of interest that might, be, might interest people. Although I am working, the thing that I talked to you about to uh, or talked to the show about about being able to monitor visitors to the website and identify their domain that they're coming from. That's pretty much up and running. And it's giving some interesting information because now I can do queries and basically exclude blog posts and say, all right, who's going to my pricing page? Who's going to my um, features page? And I can look in the history and I can look at, oh my gosh, I should have been calling these companies <laughs> two months ago because they visited my feature page. So yeah, that's working. Oh, fun. Yeah, strangely, I've got kind of the same situation. I have have <laughs> nothing interesting to talk about this week. In fact, we have a um, kind of an engineering show and tell meeting every Friday where all the engineers get on and say, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm working on. I had nothing. I just <laughs> all kinds of little nitnoidy stuff that that just, you know, sucked up my week. Um, so it's just. I don't know. Maybe it was just that week. Yeah, I mean, I accomplished stuff, but there was nothing in it. No, I did a report request for you. They wanted to be able to report on the users in the system by different metrics. And I did this upgrade. You know, there's all these little things, but it's there's nothing that's rude. That's interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, I was god awful busy this week didn't do anything fun. There was a whole lot of log diving to try to research issues and and um, working on back-end stuff. Um, I was doing a little bit of polishing work on that um, um, uh, release notes thing I was working on, but that mm -hmm. I spent all of 15 minutes this week on that. Um, <laughs> mostly it was just, you know, just a little fire would come up about every 15 minutes that I was stomping out. And then before I knew it, the week was over. So Weird. But anyway, all right. Well, that, that just leaves us more time to talk about the fun topic tonight. Uh, this was a requested topic. Where do you put your business logic in Rails? And we sh I should mention that this was a request from Max. So this episode is for you. Yeah. And... Um, it's actually came through our, our contact form on the website. So feel free to, like we say every episode, post in the comments, or you could send us 
via the website or if you're on our email list, you can just reply there and say, hey, could you guys talk about this? So we're looking for opportunity, you know, subjects to talk about. Sometimes we're racking our brain is like, what are we going right. to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> yep. So we welcome suggestions. You got anything for next week? No, I'll have to think about it this weekend. Oh, well, we're going to have a surprise topic next week, guys. Uh, yep. Anyway, so where do we put business logic in, in a Rails app? Um, I, I've been doing this Rails thing for a long, long time, and I still don't think I have a satisfactory answer for that. That's something that... Uh, the opinions change, the collective wisdom changes, the the best way to do things changes constantly. And it seems like there, I have never seen a definitive answer that works well for everything and everybody. So it's gonna be a little bit of a tough topic to, to tackle, but you know, we'll do our best. Um, well, we should say that in the docs, it does the Ruby on Rails documentation. It does tell you yeah, give recommendations. Yeah, it does. But <laughs> that's that's one of oh, you don't like those recommendations. <laughs> not all of them, and not completely, and not in every situation. Um, but you know, we'll go through and talk about the pros and cons of different different ways to do this, and just talk through it and see what we can come up with, and. Maybe maybe chat will have some ideas too. Um, first, I want to say there's a big difference between theory and practical application here. There's a whole lot of theorizing going on, but when it comes to actually putting code together, um, especially in a business environment, um, sometimes you have to, you know, cut some corners and and not do things all the way to theory, because there's just no time to do all that. Um, but it is a good time, it, it's a good idea to think through the theory and have an idea of how these things work so that when you are in the situation of, I don't have a ton of time, I just need to know how to do this, you'll know how to do this. Um, so, you know, like you were mentioning before, the Rails way, or what used to be termed the Rails way, and keep in mind, this is this is from 15-ish years ago. Um, it's not really, I don't think, tenable anymore for modern, large, non-trivial apps. Um, you know, just strict MVC isn't enough for big apps. Um, however, I will say it's a great place to start an app. You start there and then work your way to what you should do with the rest of it. Um, it's also a great way to learn basic web app programming and structures and stuff. Start with the MVC, then worry about business logic breakouts. Um, so where do you put the business? Well, what is business logic, first of all? Um, it's it, a lot. Some people call it domain logic. I, I don't really understand well it's logic for your business domain the domain that yeah. you're in so uh, you know we're talking about things like stuff that your app actually does not display logic okay we're not talking about is this button green or is it blue unless that's part of your business domain but you know 
we're talking about things like storing orders or processing payments or um, um, doing messaging or you know that kind of stuff. Uh, the stuff your your app actually does. Um, so over the years, you know, there was there was a big thing early on with oh, you want skinny models or skinny controllers and fat models. Okay. That lasted for about a year and then it was, oh, you want skinny models and fat controllers. Okay. No, I have never heard that one. Oh, I did. And uh, <laughs> that didn't last nearly as long. And then there's, well, you don't want fat in either one of them. You need service objects. Okay. Well, and then, then it's back to, well, some stuff goes in service objects and some stuff goes in presenters and some stuff goes in... And then it got really complicated. And then my brain exploded and I said, you know what? Either I need to figure out how to, how to simplify the boundaries here or I need to stop programming because it's becoming just not fun. So let's talk about where the possible places are to put business logic. So one place is models. Should you put business logic there? Uh, in theory, no. Um, models fundamentally and strictly speaking should only be responsible for reading and writing data to and from your data stores. Is that in reality what I've ever seen a model do? Very rarely. They usually have some logic in them. Most of the time, that's... And more than some. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, a lot of, there's a lot of fat models <laughs> rolling around. That's, that's not an uncommon thing. I'm not sure I, I have a terrible aversion to that, as long as the logic that's in there has to do only with the data of that data store. So it's figuring out, like, what data should I put in here? in this condition. Now, strictly speaking, that's not the best case scenario, but as I said, in, in, um, in, the, in the real world, when you don't have tons of time to overanalyze your stuff, it's a convenient place to do things like that. What you don't really wanna do in models is have logic in this model that relies on information from another model. That's that's usually a sign that you've got some kind of issue. It, that's a bad smell. So should you put logic in your models? Strictly speaking, no. Try to avoid it. But, you know, it happens quite a bit. Um, so the next place is controllers. Should you put models in your controllers or logic models. in your controllers? <laughs> um, no, you shouldn't put logic in your controllers. They should only do routing. They shouldn't do anything with data. They shouldn't do make any decision making other than where should I point this person? 
that being said, you're going to end up with logic in your <laughs> controllers because where do I point this person often ends up being um, a function of some kind of logic. Um, very rarely do you end up with you know, a, a CRUD controller that just has one page for each operation. Um, it, you know, at some point you're going to have some logic about, okay, well, do I, do I take them to the, um, the new orders page or do I take them to the uh, sign-in page because they're not actually a customer yet? You know, it, that's a pedantic example, but you get the idea. Some kind of logic's gonna be in there. Now, where do I route them logic? Seems perfectly acceptable to me to controllers because that's their whole job is where do I route them? Get me to get me to the page I need to go to. Um, but again, that often is you'll see this in controllers all the time in in non-trivial projects where that's often predicated by, you know, is this order in an open state or is it in a closed state or, you know, something about this model dictates where I should route you from, right? So, or we're doing a delete. Well, what's the current status of this model? Am I allowed to delete it? You know, that's logic that often ends up in the controller. Strictly speaking, it shouldn't. Although in that case, you could make a PORO that does that test or put something in the model that gets called from the controller. Right. And then you've got logic back in the model or you get yeah. to where we, you know, so yes. But the reason, the main reason that I avoid logic as much as possible in the controller is because, you know, it makes it hard to test because now exactly. you have to, or not hard to, well, it does make it hard to test, yeah. but it definitely takes makes testing takes a lot longer testing well it's so also the more you you put in the controller the slower it's going to be because it has to do that front end work to render it and right. make the determination it also makes the controller testing more confusing because then you end up with a bunch of branching conditions in your controller logic that just is gets out of control sometimes um so you know, I agree with you. Yeah, you you pull that out to something in the model that can make that decision, or even better yet, into some kind of PORO that can make that decision. Um, the PORO is just a plain old Ruby object for those right. who are wondering. Yeah, just just a class, you know. And I, I'm going to mention something a little bit later about Elixir too, because I have some thoughts on this in general, and I'll bring up that as well. Right. Or I should say Phoenix, which is the framework for Elixir. Right. Um, all right. So we've talked about models. We've talked about controllers. What's left in the MVC? Views. Did you put logic in views? Again, probably not. <laughs> but, you know, in theory, no. In reality, it happens. Um, but really, your view logic should be restricted to how you display something, not what you display. So if you've got views that are saying, you know, 
if if this thing is in this state, make display this stuff. Else, if it's in this state, display this stuff. That's not good. Um, it's you don't really want your views making decisions on what they should display. It's just what color, what what arrangement, where where does this go on the page? Um, that kind of logic okay in views, although there's, I think, a better place to put that. And that would be in presenters. So, um, or if you're not using presenters, or there's helpers. also the helpers, yeah. right? So, um, but those kind of breakout things, those, those po rows for views, as it were. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, ideally, that's where I put that kind of logic. But again, in practice, you end up with a lot of stuff like that in the views themselves. Is that horrible? It can be. I've seen some really horrible views. Um, well, yeah, because, you know, think about it. PHP, when it came out a couple of decades ago, you, you, all the logic, everything was in the equivalent of a view. Right. And I think it was kind of kind of that way for I didn't do a lot of ASP programming, but I think ASP was kind of set up like that too, where every, everything, everything was, was like that. Yeah. yeah. So So yeah, it's that's that's not the best place to to do business logic for sure. So the models, the views and the controllers, that's all the parts of the MVC. We shouldn't put our business logic in any of those. So, so where do we put it? <laughs> we just make apps with no business logic. That's that's what you do. No, um, really, the best place to put those is just in service objects or business objects or logic objects or object objects, whatever you want to call them. It's just poros, just objects that their job is to do the business logic. So they don't fit into the MVC directly. Um, and I think this is a good point for me to mention when we first talked about this episode, what came to mind. So there was a presentation done by um, Bob Martin. Are you familiar with him? Yep. Like Uncle Uncle Bob, Uncle I Bob. think he's colloquially called. Yeah. So he had a presentation over a decade ago, I think it was Ruby Midwest 2011, a keynote called Architecture of the Lost Years. And in that, he was, one point of the talk, he was emphasizing something to the extent of Rails is not your application. And he was frustrated by looking at the app directory and looking at anybody's app it says the same thing, models, views, controllers, helpers. You know, those are pretty much the directors and maybe somebody threw in some more. And he was so frustrated, this is not, when I look in an application, I want to see basically business domain stuff. So he was arguing that this is your interface. It's not your, it's essentially building your web interface. It is not your um, application. So now he didn't, because he was basically saying you should pack up your business logic. Some people say have it within a gem 
or maybe have it within a particular directory and app, or even in lib. Because if you look at a Ruby gem, there is no app directory, but there's a lib directory, and that's where all the logic goes. So that's kind of what makes sense. Now, I haven't seen any Rails apps do this that I've worked with. They still put a lot of stuff in the app and have their own directories. But to my mind, what makes a lot of sense is putting the business-focused logic in the lib directory so that you can, and this will probably bring up other issues with that, but then you could, if you did this, then you could just look at that lib directory and get a business perspective, you know, each folder is relevant to the business domain and essentially interacts with the models and views and controller, which are essentially your web interface. Right. And that's exactly where I've kind of landed through all my experimentation and changing through the years is what is this stuff I'm talking about? It is my code library, right? So why would it not be in the live directory? Put it there. Now, I don't put it, Rails, when you do a Rails app, it has a live directory outside at the same level as the app directory. That's kind of been usurped for other standard kind of things. So I don't, I don't put it there. So you yeah. could. What my personal preference is, is I make a live directory under app at the same level as my models views controllers and put it there. Because for me, that's that's a more organized way for my brain to reference that. And I don't have to do a, much context switching if I'm in there looking at code under the app. It's all in there. The other huge thing that that is a benefit for is auto-loading. Because Rails auto-loads everything in the app directory. <laughs> but in more recent versions, like even as of maybe as short as five years ago or so, they do not auto-load anything in the lib directory. <clears throat> so you have to specifically put that in to auto-load. Yeah, require this, require that. Yeah. Right. So, which is that why... That could be an advantage or a disadvantage <sighs> on what you want to do. Right. And that's... It, it, you know, if I'm putting business logic co-located with my app in my Rails structure, then I'm not using that business logic somewhere else. If I am using that business logic somewhere else, it shouldn't be here. It should be in a gem or some kind of other packaging format that I'm sharing across things. But if it's business logic just for this app, which is the majority of Rails applications that I've ever seen are set up this way. And my, my app is in here. Everything about it is in here. It's not, there's not a lot of services going on. When you say on. here, what do you mean here? Under the app directory. Or in the okay, Rails, right, yeah, the Rails yeah. single that's, Rails app structure. Yeah, that's what I've seen too. I haven't seen all the different apps I've looked at, even in consulting and whatnot. I haven't seen people actually using the lib directory for, or the live directory, however you want. It's supposed to be pronounced. And uh, I haven't seen it there. It's still there. There's some stuff sometimes put there, but the vast majority is some other directory in app. Yeah. And I will use I will use that external live directory for certain things, you know, obviously for like rake tasks and stuff, but for other kind of 
external maintenance maintenance tasks and things like that that um those kind of objects that are kind of working on the system but aren't really the business domain that's that's what I use that one for but the business logic I put in an, a live directory under apps and within that live directory I will break things out by logical section like yeah you know for your or, business domain yeah, right yeah so you don't just throw all your po rows in the live directory and call it a day you want organization under there too um and when you yeah cuz that goes back to what you know bob martin was talking about you'll have a place to go to understand this is what this app is about right and also when you're setting up that structure you probably want to set up a good number of those things as modules levels so that when you're writing this stuff in your views, you know specifically what you're after. And yeah, it takes a little longer to write it out that way. But, you know, I, I want to know that I'm at the, um, I'm at the get total of a line item in the line item module rather than the get total in the order module, right? Because those are two completely different things. I don't want to just have get total there and say, okay, well, which one am I doing? I want that specifically named. So, you know, put them together in your in your live directory, but organize them properly. And when you're writing your test structure, make sure your test structure matches that. Now, speaking of tests, one of the reasons to do this not not the primary reason, but a good reason to do this, because it makes testing way easier. Um, because I can just test this little individual thing, and I don't have to worry about routing. I don't have to worry about views. I don't have to worry about whether data is getting in and out. Yeah, yeah interactions. I, yeah, because go ahead. I just have to worry about is the logic correct. And that's exactly one thing that Bob Martin, Martin, yeah, easy for me to say. Bob <laughs> Martin mentioned is that oh, you'll love this. Is he says cucumber is not slow. <laughs> Wrong. Well, I mean, he says cucumber is not slow. Testing your Rails app through the UI all the way down to the database and back up again is slow. Correct. <laughs> You know, Cucumber is this wonderful little library that you could do certain things with to test things. But if you're going to test it from the full stack of Rails all the way down and all the way back up, it's going to be slow. Right. Now, But if you put exactly what you're saying, put to the business logic in a separate case, then you can test those, not necessarily using Cucumber, but you could test those really fast without database interactions or user interface interactions. Right. Yeah, and then, I mean, there there is a still a place even when you do that there's still a reason to do full stack integration tests but you do far fewer of those because i don't have to worry about every little condition in my integration tests i've taken care of all those conditions in my logic i just have to worry about okay is my soup to nuts going properly 
Yeah. So you basically, that's kind of what I said before. Usually controllers have, when you, a particular controller action usually has, did it success? Did it succeed or did it fail? So basically you just need two tests to pick one success metric and one failure metric. And then in your unit tests or your tests of the, you know, the business logic domain, you're testing the five success states and the three fail, you know, three failure states, mm -hmm. even though it's going to be routed one of two ways, you just, you test them all fast. And then that slow integration test is just doing the two branching paths. Right. So now let's talk about the objections to service objects. Um, well, but service objects, I think, have objections, but I don't know if I'm necessarily, call, necessarily calling these, I wouldn't necessarily call POROs service objects necessarily. Right. And I think that's one of the objections is people use the term service objects when what they're really talking about is just objects. The fact that we've complicated this with service objects or business objects or logic, they're just classes, just and if it's not a class, because we had episodes on this previously, and if it's not a class, it's essentially just a module with functions. So right. you could create those just as easily. Right. So the, the naming convention, I think, has gotten people a little spooked because it, to me, service objects seems a lot more grandiose than it actually is. Yeah. Um, and it's not. It's it's just. It's maybe it's making me think of soap from two decades ago. Right. Soap yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or microservice stuff and things yeah, like that. Uh, you know. No. It's just it's just a, a little code block that does a thing and does it really well and does it in an isolated way. That's all it is. So I, you know, when I've heard objections to this, or people being like, ah, that doesn't feel right. It, I. I think it has a lot to do with the connotation of the naming convention that has come up um, because you get, you know, you know, actors and presenters and helpers and, and your brain just goes, what the, what is all this crap? They're just, they're just little code blobs. They're just objects. That's, you know, naming them weird things while possibly convenient for party conversations is not necessarily helpful for thinking about it, I don't think. Yeah, because they're all the same thing. Right. I mean, because even the helpers, so Rails does have helpers. It doesn't have presenters. It doesn't have service objects or, you know, whatever. That's something that community members have come up with. Right. But even just helpers, all it is is a module with functions in it. So it's mm. not even an object. Right. So, and and I think Rails did some, you know, Rails does some auto magic stuff in the background to make helpers available from views and, and things like that. But it's not, I, I think- I Rocket think, science. Yeah, I think we've <laughs> named it into uh, intimidation and it's not, it's just, you know, I've got a model, I've got a view, I've got a controller. If I've got logic that needs to go into those, I probably should put that logic in some little cap encapsulated file that I can test independently and just yep. let the things read that logic, not do the logic in those things. Yep. So, you know, it's... And that it, makes the, exactly what you're saying, makes the testing so much easier. Right. And so if you think about it like that, 
I can't really see an objection to these whatever we want to name them objects. These files, these code files. These other modules and classes, because that's all they are. <laughs> right. I mean, just think of them like that. It's just an extraction of code into a specific thing, and each one of those files does one and only one thing. That, that's another thing that you got to keep in mind, though, is, you know, don't make the order file. <laughs> it, that's too big. It should do one thing and one thing only. But I want to take all the business logic to my order model and move it to the order object. Well, then don't work on my team, please, because I don't want to have to review that. Because <laughs> then we start getting into, was it like God objects or something? Right, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's not to say that, that you can't have like objects that are building blocks and then another object that sits on top of those and kind of coordinates some things and have a hierarchical structure like that. It's not that every object or every every one of these files has to be a a front level access thing. What I'll do a lot of times is make the building blocks and then build up from there. And then I have one place where my front end comes and says, "Hey, get me this." And then it goes down through where it needs to go through to get it. Um usually you don't have to do like eight or nine layers of that. It's usually one or two layers deep, but, um, you know, th that kind of stuff is okay. Um, and once you start thinking of it like that, it becomes easier to kind of find these, the edges of your domains that way, because if I've got this pyramid structure, then anything on a level shouldn't know anything about something else on its own level. And it shouldn't know anything about anything on the level above it. Things should only know down. So if I've got, you know, if I've got class A at the bottom level here and class B and class C, and class C says, hey, if class A is this, I've immediately got a problem. Right? Because I shouldn't be reaching across my objects like that. I should only have a class D that knows about those three things and can make its decisions based on what any of those three things are. So once you start organizing your thinking that way, it becomes a lot easier to organize code because you can easily find these domain edges and separate them. And then you can avoid things like feature envy and that kind of stuff. You know, all those smells that you hear about and and I'm not sure anybody really, really understands, but <laughs> that, that's, you know, all those smells are kind of talking about, hey, I'm crossing domain boundaries. Not all those smells. A lot of them are. Um, but identifying those domain boundaries gets difficult sometimes until you start breaking things down like Having it all jammed into your model, logic all jammed into your model, makes it really hard to disambiguate those things. Because every time I've seen that, it's crossing domain boundaries all over the place. 
So I in the uh, chat of Zoom that we're using, I put a link. Are you able to show that? Oops. No. It disappeared. <laughs> uh, no, actually, after I had the crash, I haven't made the scene in, in OBS uh, to okay. All right. share the link. So, so anyway, so um, is now an okay time for me to mention the Phoenix directory structure? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, well, you can look at it, but <clears throat> if you just look up a Phoenix framework directory structure, you guys can see it, and the link will be in the show notes, essentially. But how WID handles it, if you'll notice, there is no app directory. There's only a lib directory, so a lib directory, as I call it. And within that lib directory, there is a whatever the name of your app is, there's a directory for it. Like in this case, the application was called hello. So there's a hello um, folder. And that is where essentially all your business logic goes. Model, they also put models in there too. But then there's a hello web, and that's essentially your web interface. So they already separate it out for you. So this kind of goes back to kind of what Bob Martin said is that your, you know, your app is not Rails. So they've segmented here. It's all under the lib directory, but there's one folder for the business logic and for models, and another folder for the essentially the web interface, the controllers, the views. They also have a concept of templates. So views and templates are separate considerations, but so they've separated it out there. So to a certain extent, it's much clearer how to design applications, at least in, in Phoenix, I think, compared to what Rails gives you out of the box. Right. And I think Rails, the, the Rails structure as it exists has that separation, with the app directory and the live directory. The right. problem is it's never taught or talked about that way. Yeah. So the live directory just became this mysterious place to put rake tasks instead of your library. And it just, yeah, it, like you know. Even the Rails, even today, it says extended modules for your application. Like, okay. Okay, that's fancy language. What does that mean? Well, I mean, I understand modules. Right, but extended. That extend from, my application. So, so my basic logic <laughs> modules go under the app directory, but only my extended ones go under... I, yeah, it's yeah. I think I think sometimes we we code engineers tend to get a little too clever with our language. <laughs> and it just well, confuses things. So I like being precise, but overly engineered language just confuses things. Well, what's the number one problem in uh programming? Naming, Naming things. things. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. So, but anyway, you know, I think, I think the long and short of it is all my experience tells me just have a live directory. You use the one that Rails gives you or do like I do and put one up under your app directory, either or, but all your logic goes in your library because that's what it is. And keep it out of your models, keep it out of your controllers, keep it out of your views. Shouldn't be there. 
for business logic. Application logic is different. That stuff does belong there. Where do I route people? How do I display this? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, but what requirements are there for a record to be saved? What's a valid record? That kind of logic belongs in your models, views, and controllers. The business logic does not. Put it in your library directory and thank me later. Swing by and buy me a beer if that works out for you. <laughs> um, anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that. I kind of did. That's a fun, fun discussion. It's a, and honestly, I know there are a thousand different opinions on how to do this. So if you have an opinion that's different than mine, while it's wrong, I still want you to. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I, I really would like to know because this is, as I said at the beginning, I still don't really think I have a satisfactory answer for this. Um, the live directory is the best answer I've got so far, but I'm still not 100% sold on that's the, the best way to do it. Um, so if you've got other ideas, please, please let us know. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, and in the wild, vast majority of Rails applications that I've seen, they're putting things in different folders in, in the app directory. Yeah. But I think it does make testing easier, and I think working with your application easier, if you put these other classes models, most of the logic within there in some sort of separate directory. And yeah, you still are probably going to have some stuff in the models and stuff in the controllers and maybe stuff in helpers or whatnot. But I think putting them in other classes or other modules dedicated for your business application make, makes sense. Right. And I would make one suggestion to the community. Let us stop calling these service objects and business objects and logic objects. And let's just call them code files <laughs> and make our lives a lot easier or logic files there you go logic files that's it hashtag logic files start spreading it around twitter we're going that's where we're going guys hashtag logic files all right hope you guys enjoyed that if you did please make sure and like and subscribe or if you're seeing us on twitch give us a follow uh that's all free mash all the buttons and ding all the bells uh join us every wednesday night 8 p.m eastern time for more des dev talk and tell all your beautiful friends because we know you have lots of them next week to dry or not to dry talk about redundant code <sighs> If you have a topic you'd like to see on the show, please leave it in the comments below, or you can pass it to us through our form on our website, rubberduckdevshow.com. You can also find all our podcasts and vidcasts there. And uh, if you want to find out more about how I don't know how to use Twitter, you can follow us on at DuckyDevShow. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Until then, happy programming. Happy programming. Bye.